You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hold on, Kevin. You, you're getting ahead of me here. I've got to hit the record button. You know, I, I was sitting down reading a really good book uh, before we were due to start, and it's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And uh, you know what? It's it's the book that inspired Blade Runner and is and what Blade Runner is based on. Funny thing is, I was sitting on the lounge in my underwear, and I looked at the time, and I was like, oh, jeez, I've got to go and record Geekiest Show ever, and we do video on, on this show, you know, just between you and me, we don't put it out in public. Anyway, so I had to go and quickly get pants on, and I, I, I just thought Jeff Gamut would be so disappointed in me. Yeah, he would, and the fact that I do pump this video out after the fact, because I screen record it. Uh-oh. Well, on that note, welcome to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 102. Kevin, how are you going this week? Uh, I'm going very well. I'm very happy this week. Um, I'm really happy. Uh, yeah, and- here we go. Kevin's going to boast about how his toy is bigger than my toy. That's what hey, this look- episode is going to be about. Mark's Mark's just jealous because we compared and mine's bigger. That's all I'll say. He's just jealous because of that. No, what I'm talking about for those who don't know, I was uh, I got an got an iPad for it was either last Thursday or Friday. It was last Thursday um, at uh, roughly about nine o three a.m. I think is the correct. <laughs> You've even got the time, but that's incredible. <laughs> No, no. I think it was it was it was uh, when I actually got to open the package. It was uh, seven thirty eight. I'm sorry, it um, was nine oh three when I started signing in the stuff. Signing signing in. Yes, I did write the shit down. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate. I got a, an iPad for sixteen gig because I know this is what everybody asked. Sixteen gig with uh, Wi-Fi, the LT. LTE, if I'm saying that correctly, or 4G, or whatever the heck you want to call it. I don't know. I get confused. Just call it the fast one. Yeah, it's the faster than the other one was. Yep. That's the technical term. It works well. It it go fast now. <laughs> Actually, speaking of 4G and LTE, and I don't know which is which, I'm still rocking a 3G iPhone. But, you know... Besides, like the iPhone, if I upgraded to the iPhone 5, it would offer me more performance, which would be really cool. But one of the downsides is where I live, we don't have LTE coverage where I live because, you know, in a straight line, okay, we're about 60 kilometers away from the main CBD of Sydney. Uh, But the problem is that it sort of caps out at like 40 kilometers. So it's like, if I got an LTE version, it would only be useful for when I actually go into the city you know, to get those additional speeds. So it kind of sucks. But yeah, anyway, completely unrelated to your new toy, but I just had to, I couldn't be outdone. I had to put my five cents in. (laughs) I I still love my mini. Well, you know, it's funny, the, the, the LTE, when I'm at work, I get LTE coverage. And then when I not get, when I get not too far from my office, I lose it until I get home. And then I live near an interstate, and about ten mile swath on either side of the interstate is just completely saturated in a lot of places with LTE. Next, it's just strange. Next, you're going to tell me that you've got this massive data cap, and you don't need to worry about data. I'm limited, and it costs me a fortune. I don't okay, know. that's what you said. I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 
But seriously, how is it in comparison to the iPad 1? Because I know you've been rocking a first gen for, well, since they came out almost. Yeah, I got the first gen. They came out, what, April, May of 2010? Am I remembering that correctly? And I didn't get it till September. It was a little while. I, yeah, I got it um, in the December. Yeah. Um, the first thing that struck me, and I guess I hadn't thought of it, was I thought it would be lighter. It's not really that much lighter than a first gen. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, it's it's noticeable, but it's not as noticeable as I thought it would be. Now, I, I in fairness, I was thinking in my mind for whatever reason because I was used to my uh, daughter has an uh, iPad Mini. You know, I got and oh my god, the difference between that that and my one or even this one is a brick huge. in comparison, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's it's huge. Um, but I mean, you know, that aside, but I will start off with one of the big features that everybody raves about is the screen. And I will have to say that my eyes must be really bad because it doesn't look hugely different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's a, 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 a real world analysis. Um, you know, so many times in, in tech, we can look at the specs and go, well, that's supposed to be better because they say so. But then it's real-world usage that's completely different. And if I look at it, you know, as I said at the start of the show, I was reading a, a book on the iPad Mini. And, you know, I've got the Retina display, of course, on my iPhone, so I know what Retina looks like. But I'm still reading the book on the iPad Mini, and I'm reading it perfectly fine. I'm not going, oh, look, there's a pixel on the, on the edge of that W. I don't see the pixel. I just read along and enjoy it. And I can swap between the iPhone and the iPad Mini and... and enjoy both and not think one screen is better than the other um sure if i sat there and compared them and put them right side by side it's like oh yeah you can notice a slight difference and then you know a bit better sharpness especially when you look at something like the the time uh in the black bar at the top of the screen because that's the same size on both devices so you know you can match it up perfectly and compare I, I think it's fine. I mean, you know, obviously if they bring out a Retina Display iPad Mini, provided the battery life and performance is still there, I'll upgrade probably and I'll buy it and I'll enjoy it. But is it the single thing to say either, no, don't buy a Mini because it doesn't have a Retina? I don't think it is. I think the Retina's a bit over the top at this point in time. I don't think it's... I, where it does make a bigger difference for me is when I look at the MacBook Pro lines and I see the Retina displays in those versus the traditional screens. That is utterly amazing. It's it's just, after looking at a Retina display, you would not go back to a standard. And I'm still using a standard from 2000, late 2009. Uh, but Retina on a Mac, brilliant. Retina on iOS, it's very good. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Kevin. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all. Um, no, it it, it, I, it is nice. I'm not going to say that that it's not nice. I do like it. But for the way I use the device, it's not a huge improvement. The big improvement, though, is going from what I guess my original iPad has an A4 in it. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? Yeah, it has yep. an A4. And this has the A6X. This thing's freaking fast. <laughs> And that's not nice. It's really nice running different apps and stuff like that. It zips, it moves through them. That is the single biggest improvement, that and having the LTE data. 
are the two single biggest improvements I see in, in the jump from Gen 1 to Gen 4. Now, the other thing, too, is, and I've been using iOS 6 on my iPhone. I have an iPhone 4, like you. And I've been using, I, but, and my of course, my iPad 1 has been left behind. Not that I am bitter uh, about well, not, it. Not anymore. You can't be bitter now. Well, I can, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Uh, uh, but uh, iOS 6 and some of the other features. And, of course, I'm getting Siri. I didn't have Siri before. Yep. I, I don't and, like Siri. Siri doesn't like me. And, you know, that's another one of those features that they promote. And it's it, it's like this Samsung thing with the, the S3. I think it was that announcement last week or the week before where the page would track with your eyes. So you, you could run your eyes up and down, up and down and look like a crazy person. And the, the page would scroll somehow. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see it happen, but they say it can happen, and it's the same with Siri. It's like, okay, if you're like one percent of the population that wants to sit there for like, you know, hours and figure this shit out, then it's absolutely perfect. If you're like normal people and you have a life outside technology, I know it's hard to believe I have a life, uh, but you know, I got two young kids. I don't have time to sit there and go and and try and learn a new technique. Uh, you know, a few people have suggested to me at different times that I should learn dictation. Uh, and, you know, bear in mind that I don't class writing as dictation. Let the hate mail begin. Uh, writing is writing. Off right now. Yep, writing is writing. You either write with the pen or you write with the keyboard. You do not write with your mouth. That is talking, that is conversational, and that is completely different. Um, you know, it's that type of thing, though. Even if I was interested in trying, I just I just don't have the spare time to learn the syntaxes that you need to learn to, to get this stuff working. I feel that's the same with Siri, that it's a learning curve rather than being something that you can just jump into with, you know, a, a little bit of experience. Like, I, I remember back in the day when uh, I had the Palm devices, back when they were very popular and so forth. And you know how they had the Palm lettering and if you uh, did certain letters in a certain way and you started at this point and then finished yeah. at that point it would write the letter i i could never do that i didn't have the time nor the will to go and learn their lettering system i used to just use the on-screen keyboard and use the little stylus and tap like a furious maniac uh and yeah, that was graffiti for me. graffiti is what they call oh, it graffiti it was graffiti. It just for me, it never worked, and it was just too hard to learn. And yeah, Siri is the same. It's just too hard to learn. I, I think it's a cool concept. It's a futuristic concept. Uh, it's very beta. Uh, not yeah. actually, no correction. I'd class it as alpha, to be quite honest, because I can't get it to work properly. Um, you know, but didn't you-, you know, it's funny, Kevin. I- if I ask for something sensible, um, like uh, Siri. Um, you know, find a, a, a McDonald's restaurant or something. It, it comes up with find a, you know, find Donald or something. It's like, no, 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 no. And But then if I say, Siri, you're a fucking idiot. You know what? Siri comes back with a smart-ass response saying, you know, you don't need to talk to me like that or, you know, or you don't have to be so mean. Or, or And it's like, why can you understand my profanity, but you cannot understand me <laughs> wanting to look for a McDonald's restaurant? I, I just, I don't get it, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to venture. I haven't played with Siri that much, to be honest with you, 
it's um, and that's the bigger thing is trying to fit. I'm trying to, and I'll talk a little bit more about that too. Figure out this is I'm by, I'm using this machine to develop a good mobile workflow in conjunction with my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, so and and one a couple of the other things that I've done too is I purchased uh, a back cover. I'll show it to Mark. I don't think he can really see it, but there's a notice how it's not real shiny on the back. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a matte kind of back cover. Yeah, it's made by Belkin. Mhm. And it works perfectly with the Apple smart cover. Ah, uh, that's what you need. So, uh so I picked these up. I got these at the local Best Buy, and I'm really happy with it. The other thing that I'm considering doing and I just haven't felt like laying out the cash, is I've been looking at, and this is based on he who shall remain nameless suggestion from a while back when we were doing NAMP one week, I believe, is when we talked about it, the Logitech Ultra Thin Keyboard Cover. Ah, yes. that You know, I've, been, I've actually got one of those for the iPad Mini now. I'm not yeah, even, even going to consider it. It's like, no, that's just type in hell. Uh, I, you know what, I can... I type at eighty percent of my full speed when I use the the on-screen keyboard on the iPad Mini. That to me is good enough for me to just use the on-screen keyboard when I'm out and about. Plus, then I don't have to take something else. But yeah, if you are after a physical keyboard, they the the ones for the full-size iPad are ultra cool. Yeah, and I think I probably will invest in one of those, but at somewhere between eighty-nine and ninety-nine dollars US. That's going to have to wait a little while before I make that purchase. But I did play with one, and I was very happy with it. Uh, I tried it out at the local Best Buy when I picked up these other two things, and uh, I was very happy with it. But I thought, you know what? The smart cover will work in more cases right now than the uh, Logitech Ultra Thin keyboard will Mm -hmm. uh, in the way I'm using it. So I said, okay. I can. I'll go halfway, and there'll be times when I may not want the ultra thin keyboard. I may only want the smart cover. Yep. So I said it's not like it's money thrown away, and the back cover that I have made by Belkin works with the Logitech ultra thin keyboard. So oh, that's it's good. a win. It's a win win. I'm okay there. I, I you know that's money I'll keep. Um, the uh, smart cover it may come off, and you know I may take it off at times and replace it. And I can put it back on. So, you know, it was kind of, I thought about it for a day or two before I did it. I didn't want to jump into it. Probably some people would have thought it was heresy. For the first couple days I had it, I was carrying it around in an extra iPad 1 case that Apple sold. The black, uh, like, ultra suede, I guess, cases. Which I know people complain and bitched about. But on my iPad 1, it's still the case of choice. I love that case. It's perfect for the way I use the iPad 1. Now, granted, I'm not using that one very much now. Uh, the kids use it more than I do. I won't completely give it up. But, um, I mean, it was perfect. I, I love the way that case worked. And it works similar to the smart cover and the angle that it would set it at when you had it propped open and all that. So, we'll see. But uh, So, right now, I'm rocking the smart cover. But... The, the bigger thing is how I'm going to use this stuff in my mobile workflow. And I'm doing a lot of investigation. I'm working with, I've bought a few apps, some not work-related, but some work-related. <laughs> Probably uh, more non-work-related. <laughs> actually more work-related because I am serious about developing mm-hmm. a better mobile flow. 
I'm trying to segregate what I do between the two iPads because if I don't put distractions on this one, I won't get distracted. So there, there, there is that. But I picked up uh, IA Writer. I picked up uh, iMovie. That's the one that's not technically work-related. Uh, I picked up Simple Note. And I already had but wasn't really using a couple services related to that because I have to do a lot of work in Microsoft Office. Like it or not, that's what the business I work in runs on, and I have to do it. So I had subscribed. I had the apps, but I really wasn't using them because the other iPad didn't fit into my work scheme as well because I couldn't get it on the wireless network at work, So, and I only had a Wi-Fi on the other one. Uh, so with having Wi-Fi and 3G, I can put this one, I can get service no matter where I'm at. Uh, and I didn't want to carry my MiFi around with me all the time because I was afraid I'd be in the restroom and drop it in the toilet and then you really get upset. <laughs> and oh, yes, folks, that'd that would be an interesting mess. So, but anyway, so I got, uh, I'm using two things. I'm using OnLive Desktop, which is an interesting service, and CloudOn. Uh, and I have to thank CloudOn being turned on to that uh, several months ago, maybe even almost a year ago, to uh, uh, Lane Giles and uh, Mike, Th- or Thomas Mike, as he's known on uh, Twitter, uh, over at MacBytes, uh, turning me on to CloudOn because Thomas, uh, uh, Thomas, uh, God, I'm getting his name. I am Mike. so sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Mike uh, did a one or two screencasts on it and got me interested in it. And they work kind of differently. Um, and so I'm still going back and forth about which ones I like. On live desktop, I don't know if you've used that or seen that or not at all, Mark. No. It's basically you're getting a Windows 7 desktop with Office 2010 installed i guess like the home student teacher edition you've got word excel powerpoint adobe acrobat reader um i can't remember what else i think that's basically and you get two gigs of storage on their server and that's for free no cost free then they have upgrades where you can get more storage for i think they go 499 for like 50 gigs of storage and then I forget what it is. There's a nine ninety nine plan. I forget how much storage you get there. So it's not a bad deal. And you can tie it into, I'm going to get it mixed up, but I believe you can tie it into your box.net account. So if you've got one of those, you've got potentially 50 gigs of storage there. Um, but you actually have, you know, a Windows 7 desktop running on your iOS device. I tried, it on cool. the, I tried it on the phone and it was like, oh, what the frick, I can't see that. So, so it was nice to get it and have it on uh, on the new iPad. Uh, CloudOn is slightly different in that it's like an application that lets you. It, it uses kind of a and I and we can put links in the show notes so people can go investigate. But it kind of lets you create documents and store it, and it's almost like a SharePoint for those that know what it is, a SharePoint or web version of Word and PowerPoint and Excel. Uh, a little bit more optimized, in my opinion, for um, the iPad and the iOS operating system. So they, and that one, you can tie to SkyDrive, G Drive, Box.net, Dropbox. You can tie it to all those. You don't combine the storage, but you can tie it to all four of those and have storage. So it, that's a big plus. 
The uh, cloud one, I don't think I can tie to all of those. I think I can tie it to SkyDrive and either Box or Dropbox. I don't think I can tie it to both. I have to go back and look. So those are two things that I'm really using. So I'm, I'm really working hard at trying to develop a good mobile workflow. I And this week I have been very diligent in that when I get up to go to a meeting, and I have many of them this week, that I leave my laptop at my desk. I grab my portfolio that has my notepad and stuff like that in it. Yes, folks, I do still write notes. Sorry, don't mean to disappoint, but I still write notes. And then I also take the iPad with me. And so far, the only detractor I've seen for the iPad is that in the meeting rooms, I mean, I'm in a fairly good-sized office building. I can't remember. I think it's about 40,000-square-foot building um, or so. Is when I'm sitting in some of the rooms, I have to watch where I sit because the glare from the overhead fluorescent lights will literally blank out a third to half of the screen. Oh, wow. So, uh, matter of fact, the meeting I was in this afternoon, I was sitting there, I had the iPad sitting there, and I kept tilting it, trying to get it just at the right angle because there was a light almost directly over me. I'm sitting there, jeez. And I couldn't, and it's the long, narrow conference room. And by the time I realized that we were already into the meeting, it was a conference call. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> so, sitting there playing with it. And now, fortunately, in that one, I also had. Uh, uh, I, I later in that meeting, I had to go get my laptop, so that worked out okay. But it was really tough. I compensated partially for that because at one point I had the iPad sitting there and I had uh, Word open through using the services to take notes and stuff in. Then, I, and while I can switch apps very quickly, and oh, I'm loving all the gestures. I'm, I'm making myself use more of the gestures. Um, I had then I had Mail open on my phone. So I was rocking dual screens sitting there. I had my phone sitting there with my work mail open so I could keep an eye on that. And then I was working on the iPad itself. So even mobile, I can't deal with just one screen, Mark. <laughs> you know what? I, I do the same thing with mine. You know, I, I'll have the iPhone doing one thing while the, the iPad mini is doing something else. And I think that's – it's just cool to be able to do that, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. – it worked somehow. But I, I'll have to say this. I think if I ever buy an iPad that's purely personal, fun work, or fun use, not not one I want to use for work, because like I said, I don't want to put a lot of fun apps on there, because if I put the fun apps on there, then I'm going to, you know, it's like Squirrel, and yeah, I'm going to get distracted. Not that I would do that during a meeting or during work, but, you know, at lunchtime, then... My whole lunch hour is gone. I'm sitting there. I'm playing game. Or, no, you, you say that like that. There's a problem with that. Because <laughs> I like to tone it down. Because I have a my job can be sometimes a little intense, or at least it is to me. So I kind of like to mellow, man, mellow out. I'm trying to do my best Cheech and Chong impression here, um, uh, without dropping any acid. The, uh, <laughs> but I. The uh, I try to unwind, so I, that's why I said I segregate the stuff. The stuff is work, and I won't say it's all work. It's productivity-related, whether it's work productivity or somewhat personal productivity. I can be productive when I'm using this iPad. The other one, I'm starting to put more and more games on it, at least the games that will still run under iOS 5, whatever, the most recent version of 5 that I can put on. 
Don't, but if don't I, get me started on the games, Kevin. I, you can get started in a second. But I, what I will, <laughs> if I have to buy one that I want just for that kind of use and to read on, I think I'll buy a mini. Good I choice. Think, I, I, I really think I, I have no reason to right now. I mean, I'm doing good. With with what I've got, I'm I'm really happy with this iPad. I like it. It's a great device. I strongly encourage if you know if you're looking for a good mobile solution to go out and do it. It does work really well. And and in that sense, I'm looking for suggestions. I know you've given me some suggestions in the past. I know there was an episode of Pocket Size Podcast. Throw in a little plug for he who shall remain nameless. There that um, you all did a whole episode I think on mobile workflow. Because you talked about like Blogsy and yeah, we we did that. And uh, on an episode of Not Another Mac podcast a few weeks back, we had uh, literally no news. So um, we had uh, Summer Harsfield on Jeff Gamut, and uh, apologies, I can't remember the third guest off the top of my head without looking it up. And we literally went through the apps that we have on our iPad. That is all we did for the entire hour. Uh, It was fun. It was geeky. But then we got to explain how we use it and why we use that app and maybe not another one. So uh, that episode is also a very good episode if you're looking to fill your iPad with something. And I'm also not – I'm pretty sure that that's about – as I think I said before, I've told you offline, uh, I'm a couple weeks – I'm a few weeks behind on NAMP. I think that's... I'm actually going to look here... That is episode 95, and uh, Tom Schmidt was uh, the third panellist on that show. So, sorry about that, Tom. No, that's all right. It's the next episode up in rotation on uh, my listening list for my... As I call it... Love it. it. Uh, I've got a couple shows ahead of you, but it's the next... Oh, well, fine. If I'm just, like, second or third... Hey, Kevin, I'm just going to hand up on you now. Goodbye. See, I told you I'd hand up on you, didn't I? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, uh, Elaine and Mike are more interesting than you are sometimes. (gasps) That's it. But you're up right after them. I tell you, I tell you. Now, in all seriousness, I didn't hunt up on you, Kevin. We had a, a very bad Skype connection. I thought it would be funny for the listeners if I hung up on you. Yep. So uh, it, it was yep. it was so bad that your lips were not syncing with your words. And then every time I spoke, it overlapped. And uh, sometimes Skype just really irritates me. I'm actually looking forward to seeing when I'm away on holidays, uh, when we do the show, using the iPad to do the recording. Because uh, I've got to go out to the Apple Store and buy the USB adapter for the iPad Mini. And then I'm going to use the mic. And then I'm going to use the data from my iPhone. And then I'm going to bridge the data across to the iPad. And fingers crossed, it'll work absolutely perfectly. Um, that's my hope and my intention. Whether or not it does is completely different. And we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, the the idea is there. Um but but anyway, I guess I'll wrap up, and then we'll, we can move on. We've already done almost a half hour, and I feel bad about that. Um, it is a great device, but I would, I'm asking the listeners, uh, if you have any other suggestions, that's how we started down that road, for mobile apps that fit in with a, we'll call it a business workflow, 
Um, I mean, and everybody kind of knows what I do for a living. I mean, I, we talked about it a lot last week. We had some good feedback last week from a few people. Summer, and uh, I can't remember who else. I got feedback, and I apologize. Yeah, some, not, some people have me on their priority list. I'm like, <laughs> some. So I, we did get some good feedback on that episode, so um, that was interesting. And But, I, you know, anybody else that has any suggestions for mobile workflow, uh, please send them to us, and we can talk about them. And who knows, you know, we might have to get you on to discuss it on the show one day and talk about how you do it. So uh, I guess with that, I'll close out and uh, also talk a little bit about why maybe gaming isn't the greatest thing on iOS since we're we're kind of on oh, an iOS boy. binge. You know, we, we, are having an I, we are having a very geeky iOS binge today, and uh, I apologize, but you know what? There's only so much time on NAMP that I can rant about iOS and what I'm, or Mac and what I'm disappointed in without, you know, three other uh, people sort of rolling their eyes and getting bored with my rants, whereas Kevin Hill put up with me somewhat. Um, you know, I've actually gone back to physical gaming. Um, and when I say physical gaming, I'm, I mean, you know, back in, I'm, I'm playing the Wii more in the last week, I'm playing the 3DS more in the last week, and I'm, I'm dropping the iOS for gaming. Um, in Random, there we go, absolutely random. God knows what Kevin was thinking and how that fit in. Uh, maybe he just wants me to keep playing games on iOS. Kevin, I've got a problem, and the problem is I'm sick to death of in-app purchasing. I'm sick to death of in-game advertising. And you know what shits me is certain apps that, like, I, I bought, I'm sure I paid uh, Chasing Yellow. I'm sure I paid 99 cents for it. Hell, I gave it an 8 out of 10, I think, when I reviewed it for MyMac.com. It was a great game. Then a few updates after my review went live they started putting in-app purchasing in to buy different characters and different level packs you know okay but it was in your face uh and then they they had advertising for other games but it filled the entire screen it wasn't just like a bar of advertising it filled the screen so of course my kids are playing the game and then they tap on it not knowing that it takes them to the app store and it's like no i i just i that's when you had to press the no button, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just absolutely ridiculous the way gaming on iOS is going. Um, you know, some people would note that I haven't reviewed a game for ages on my Mac. And it's just because I'm so deflated with the range of games out there. Everything comes out and you either pay a price. I, I was looking at FIFA 13 yesterday because I had an old version of Pro Evolution Soccer 2011. And I was trying to play with Nicholas and we, you know, playing, uh, versing each other on the iPad. Tried Bluetooth, tried Wi-Fi, nothing. Closed all the apps, reset the iPads, nothing. It was, it would go through and it would play, but every time you kicked the ball and the camera had to move, it was, you know, jumping like, a, you know, it was having a spaz attack. And I just thought, you know what, if I go and buy the Wii version of this game, I'm not going to have that problem. We can both play multiplayer and enjoy the game and it, it'll work. So anyway, I decided, you know, I'll go and look and see if there's any other soccer games on there. It was, you know, real soccer or something, but that didn't have multiplayer. I had a ton of in-app purchases. 
And then I thought, okay, well, I'll have a look at FIFA. FIFA's got the name, you know, they're, they're the best um, soccer game out there. And uh, so it's $5.49 to buy the game. But it doesn't tell you what you get for the $5.49. But then they've got in-app purchases up to $109.99. And I'm like, Holy okay, shit. so I pay five forty nine, and then to get the whole game, do I have to then pay the hundred and nine? They don't tell you what you get. It's just a bag full of virtual coins, and I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me. I can go and buy a fucking PlayStation, Xbox, Wii, DS, PlayStation Vita. I can even buy the PC version of the damn game. I buy the game. And then I don't have to buy the rest. It's got multiplayer built in. It's got this built in, the teams built in, the players built in. And then if you want to buy extra stuff later on, you can, but it's not going to affect how you play the game or whether you can win quicker or whether you get an advantage over someone else. And it's, oh, it in-app purchasing is just driving me absolutely to the breaking point where I do not want to touch iOS games. Uh, you know, game developers, do not send me your bloody games for review. I, I, I'll throw the review code out on Twitter and some other poor smoke and review your dumb <laughs> game. Do not put in-app purchasing in a bloody paid game that I've already paid a fortune for after you didn't have it there previously. And then advertising as well. Why are you putting advertising in? I paid for your fucking piece of crap game. It's not like I, I buy Gran Turismo 5, pay 50 bucks for that game, and then, oh, they do an update, so the update then has advertising for another game by the same developer. It's like, I don't want to play your other stupid game. I paid this for this game, and that's what I want to play. The consoles don't do this. And I know that things need to change. I know that things will always change. But it is just highway robbery. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's not enjoyable anymore. I can't buy a game for my kids with these and go, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, as, as I said, this Chasing Yellow game didn't have what it does now. Now it's constantly popping up. Do you want to buy this? And here's the advertising for this. And it's like, my kids can't play it. So it's like Chasing Yellow, you can go to hell. I want to do a, a, another review and give it a 2 out of 10 because they fucked it up so much. It's pure greed, and this is what I don't like about it. It's like it's almost like Apple doesn't police this crap. It's like, if I pay for it, do not charge me again. It's like the stupid bloody warning you get at the beginning of a DVD that you buy. You get either the FBI warning or you get the whole advertisement that goes for two minutes of do not steal. You wouldn't steal a handbag. And it's like, I paid for the fucking thing. Why are you accusing me of being a fucking thief? And what the movie studios, they're a bunch of dickheads. They don't fucking know that the smart people who pirate their shit can work around any bloody copy protection that they put on, and they laugh at that. They're not stopping piracy. All they're doing is encouraging it by saying, oh, listen, there's a way to pirate. So a normal person who then gets misled goes, oh, I wonder how I get this for free in the future. I'm not going to pay for it. Well done, movie studios. What a bunch of dickheads, Kevin. Anyway, I think I've pissed off the movie studios and I think I've pissed off the iOS developers, and rightly so, because they're all a bunch of morons when they do this shit. You know what, Kevin? I don't mind. If FIFA 13 came out 
by EA Games at $109.99 and it included everything, I would happily pay that for the iOS app. But I will not buy these in-app purchasing and I will not pay $5.50 for a game when I don't know what I'm getting for the $5.50. They don't have any detail in the description to say you can play multiplayer, you can play this, you can play online. They they don't say whether you can play the story campaign mode or or what. They don't tell you what teams are included and what aren't. It's, It's delusional it, oh, it's just, it, it's awful. I'm, you know, you can tell I'm fired up and I just, I don't want to see the gaming industry go like this. This is a bad precedent that's occurring uh, in the game industry. And you know what? A, a good example is the iBookstore. I love the idea of, hey, give me the first chapter. If I friggin' like the book, I'll buy the rest of the book. Same thing with uh, the Nintendo 3DS. I can download a game and... The, the game developer can give you five turns of the game, the demo of the game. You know, it'll be like one or two levels and, and up to a maximum of 30 times. So, for instance, Lego Batman 2, we got, we had 30 goes of it. My son kept playing it for a couple of weeks. He loved it so much and we liked it so much that we went and bought the game because obviously the demo ends. So you, you need to then go and buy it. But That, to me, makes absolutely perfect sense. Why are we not getting demos on iOS and then the option to say, hey, if you want to continue playing this game, you need to pay 50 bucks. Fuck, 99 cent in-app purchases. That is stupid. That is idiotic. It is dumb. It is ridiculous. It's costing people a fortune because you buy something and then you've got to keep buying to keep playing to keep buying. It's a constant cycle. Give me a demo. Give me a light version. And then, let me buy it if I like your game. Have the one massive in-app purchase. EA Games, listen to me if you're listening. And I know that they're not, but screw you anyway. Give me the the game for free. And then say after, I don't know, after two hours or three hours of playing the game, I can see what it's like, I can see the multiplayer, I can test it out, make sure it's going to suit my game in needs. Then... Allow me the opportunity to pay a decent amount of money for it. If that, if you reckon a decent amount of money is $109, so fucking be it. If I really want it badly enough, I'll pay for it. If I don't, then I won't. And and that's just the way it should be. <sighs> I I really wish. All right. First of all, let's 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 assume our Zen poses, Mark. Let's assume Zen poses and let's calm down. Let's I don't want to calm. calm. I don't want to calm down, Kevin. <laughs> Okay, well then I wish the listeners could see Mark's wearing a lovely red shirt with black stripes. <laughs> he now matches that red shirt because he's so fired up. Um, I I don't know what the equivalent of the Austra of, of the American nine one one is in Australia, but it's I triple think, zero. <laughs> I think in future I'm going to have to figure out how to dial that for you. Because I don't want Gretel blaming <laughs> me for you coming home and finding you having had an apoplectic fit. <laughs> Uh, or some other thing, and laying there in the floor in your in your lounge there, because that that would, while funny, and it would be video. I'd capture the video. Oh look, Mark's dead. You know, <laughs> you know Kevin. In all honesty, you know I, I pay a lot for apps. I'm more than happy to pay a lot for apps. Hell, the the top row of my iPad has about sixty dollars worth of apps, and that's for four apps. 
Um, you know, for instance, Pages cost me $10, Twisted Wave was $10, and Photoshop Touch was $10. I've got no problem in paying a lot of money for an app. You've just got to prove to me that it's worthwhile paying, and I just don't want to do in-app purchases anymore. I mean, I can't blame you for in, for not wanting to do in-app purchases. You, know, you made me want to look, too, and look at my home screen, and crap, that's just playing along. Um... Actually, on my home screen, there's ten dollars there. Uh, again, I haven't completely organized, but there's there's at least oh no, there's uh, two dollars there, so that's twelve. Um, yeah, so I've got twelve dollars worth of apps on my home screen, and then probably another twenty or thirty dollars worth of apps over the next couple screens. So yep. it's not like I don't have it. So no. And, and, and I agree, and and I know we talked about this on NAMP, and um, I'm willing to pay nine ninety nine for an app if it's good, but because I don't think that's an exorbitant price. Because I remember the days where a word processor for your computer cost you, you know, two hundred dollars to buy a damn word processing program, and that's absolutely ridiculous. And I think my kids are coming through the floor at the moment. I don't know if you can hear that or not. Just slightly, but uh, it's all right. The um, anyway, they uh, I I don't mind paying for a good app. I really don't because uh, there's a, I am considering uh, Photoshop Touch. Is that what it's called? Yes, you if if you do anything with photographs, you have to you have to buy that. And listen, I haven't bought anything Adobe for years because I got sick and tired of them charging you know a thousand dollars for Photoshop when I could get Pixelmator for a hundred. You know, so yeah. I I was able to change and swap around again. Pixelmator had a demo, so I could actually try the demo before I committed to the purchase. They and they don't have in-app purchasing. Thank you. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. the way stuff should be. Well, I I think the idea. Um, I I I I won't say in-app purchases are always bad. No, because they're I not, mean, and some of them are very good and very useful, but I see more often than not that the system is getting abused. It, yes, you're right, and I think the reason Apple's not clamping down on it is because of... Oh, they're making Adam their money. They're, they're, they're making their iAd money, and they're making their 30% on, on every single sale, so of course they're not going to clamp down on it. Why would they? You know, this last week they added a, a new uh, offers in-app purchase in below the, the purchase or, or download button when you go to buy an app uh, or when you go to download a free app. And it's funny because on, on the uh, iTunes version, it's so similar to the background that you have to look really carefully to see it. It's like they're blending it in so that you really can't see it. It's there, but yeah. you can't see it clearly. And um, look... I want to make it clear. I'm not opposed to developers making money. They need to make money. I've got no arguments with that. But if you've got a good enough product, sell it for what you deem to be reasonable price. If it's good enough, reviewers will review it. People will then buy it. You know, we're not not wanting free stuff. Personally, I don't even look at what the free apps are. If I see free, I go, ah, no, I'm not even looking at it. I, I don't want to know about it. Uh, if I see 99 cents, I see the same thing. If I look at a dollar ninety-nine, $2.99 and upwards, I start to look at it seriously and say, well, this must offer something because the developer believes it's worth, worth this kind of money. So I will look at it a little bit more seriously. And, you know, that works for me. You know, it, it's just one of those things. I mean, look, 
Even apps like Photo Studio HD, which I don't use anymore. I paid 5 or $6 for that. Um, and I don't use that because Photoshop Touch is better. But am I disappointed now that I paid, you know, a few dollars for the, the uh, Photo Studio HD app? Absolutely not, because before Photoshop Touch, that was the best app for editing photographs on the iPad. Now it's not, so I'm waiting for them to come up with a, a newer update. And here's the thing, Kevin, I don't, I don't want a, an app developer to release an app and then be version 5 into it and still not get more money. I'm happy for them to... Yeah, that's, that, that's not fair. I, I no. agree. They're needs, they're, they're, they need to uh, be able to get more money from me, um, and I don't know what that is. And, and you were talking about that threshold where you start to look at things. Mm-hmm. For me, whatever for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, the, up to about $3.99 or $4.99 US for an app, I don't really... I kind of go, okay, I'll give it a try. I don't think of it as a as a bad thing. But once you cross that magical threshold of like I'll say it's 4.99, then I really think about that app. And it, it just like with um like you're talking about with Photoshop Touch, you know, it's it's on the other side of that threshold. Granted, 9.99, oh hell no, I burn that much gas in a day going back and forth to work. So I mean, it's a uh, you know, it's it's not uh, almost that much. I should say it's not an exorbitant amount of money, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, to do, but I do for whatever reason it's there. But you know, it's odd because once you get on a PC, and I'll say PCs or the Mac, that threshold shifts for me. Anything up to about twelve ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine, we'll say fourteen ninety nine. I you know I'll, I will try because a lot of uh, Postbox being one of the most recent things, I tried the free thing and it only took me I don't know three four days, and I gladly ponied up the nine ninety nine for Postbox. I love that app. It is far and away one of my favorite purchases. But you get above that fourteen ninety nine, then I start to look a little more seriously. Then when you hit the thirty dollar US price point, then I really start to think. Excuse me, I really start to think about the apps that I'm buying for my desktop or laptop computer. I, I really start to to question it. And again, that's in stark contrast to I remember buying a copy of WordPerfect and being so excited when I got the educational discount and I picked up a copy of WordPerfect like 5.1 or something like that. And I only paid $149.95 yep, for a only. word processor. <laughs> and that was the educational discount because I was in college at the time. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And on the store shelves, it's $3.99, and I got it for only one. For This is great. And I'm going like, good God, what a freaking moron we were back then. And I'm not saying people don't need to make money, and I know some of these companies – you know, they did a lot of research and development, you know, back in the early days when there weren't that many out there. But thank God we've gotten to more reasonable prices. And, and that's coming back around to what we're talking about with iOS apps. and Well, heck, even for, uh, PC apps or Macintosh desktop apps. There's a threshold where you start to think about things and you really consider your purchases. And that's where I think if a developer can do it easy enough on iOS... I strongly encourage them to release a light version 
because there have been several iOS versions I have bought or apps I have bought. Can't speak. I bought. I got the light version for free. Or I think there was one or two that I think I might have paid ninety nine cents for the for the light version or something. I don't remember. It's been a while now since I did that. But I got them for free for most of them, and then gladly ponied up a ninety nine dollar ninety nine or four ninety nine in almost all those cases for the apps, the full version. Because I got the one of the very first ones I ever remember doing that with was a game called I think it's called Castle Defender or something. Uh, it's been a long time. It's where you have these different things that look like trebuchets that chuck stuff over and you're trying to knock down these like castles and kill the people and blood squirts out and everything. It's really a great game. Um, it's simple, it's fun, it's mindless. Uh, a little bit of physics kind of you know, pulling in uh, Angry Birds type of situation. I will gladly pay for that. Give me a light version. Let me try it. If it's time limited, I know they can't really do that. But if they give me where I can only play like one or two levels, and I think, you know what? This is really good. I want to go on further. Here's my $1.99. Glad to give it to you. Love your game. Yep. But, yeah, they, they need to do that. But I know, too, that, you know, when you get into development sometimes, these guys can have a lot of time and hours sunk into these apps. And, you know, maybe the way they originally developed it doesn't let them break the code down so that they can sufficiently give you a light version. So I guess if I was going to give some advice, if you start out developing an app, think about it in those terms. I mean, unless you're going to give it away to begin with. Uh, but also make your in-app purchases creative if you're going to give it away. You know, make it not so annoying. Yes, and, you know. and please describe what you're getting and why you need to purchase that. Make it extraordinarily clear because at this point in time, it isn't clear. You know, a, a, a bag of coins. For what? I don't have the game. I've got to pay $5.50 to get the game. What the fuck do the coins buy? And then how much, how many coins do I need to, to use? And, uh, and look, you know, I, I really would like to see developers change their tactic we, we see with photoshop when they go to photoshop one two three four and five it's a new product take the old one off the shelf bring the new one in i've got do a couple of updates as you will but don't don't change what i paid for after the update has been done just give me the update you know, and say, this is version 2. It's like Temple Run 2. Temple Run did that, and I know Temple Run has some in-app purchasing, some advertising. It's uh, one of the two, but they decided, well, you know what, we've got enough good new ideas that this is going to be a new version of Temple Run. i got no problem with that. Make me buy version 2. Make me buy version 3. If you're putting in in-app purchasing and then you're putting in advertising and you aren't giving me enough new stuff to update that's worthy of it, then that just sucks. I mean, you, you're just screwing over the people who paid their hard-earned dollar or whatever you charged us in the first place. And, um, you know, if you don't have enough original ideas to move it to a version 2 or a version 3, then don't put in that purchase in it. I'm sorry, but, you know, it doesn't even... This is the other thing that gives me the shits with the updates as it doesn't turn around in the update area with where the information is and say, oh, we've added advertising and we've added in-app purchasing. It doesn't tell you that. It's just like, hey, download it and create. Now there's ads, ads in this bloody app. 
oh, wonderful. What you know, this is not what I wanted. And once you update, you can't revert back unless you've got it saved on a hard drive, which how many of us do that now? We we just don't do it. So uh it, it's a dirty business and um I'm I'm just gonna stay clear of gaming on iOS and, and the disappointing thing, Kevin, I'd be happy I I buy portable games. I buy uh, 3DS for the Nintendo 3DS games. I'm seriously looking at a PlayStation Vita. You know, if your game is at the same price as the games on those platforms, and you provide me, as we've said, with a light version or a little demo version or something, uh, then I'm going to be more than happy to pay the equivalent amount. If you if you look at Call of Duty, for instance, coming out on, on the iPad, uh, you know, I'd be happy to pay, you know, between 20 and $50 for a portable version of Call of Duty that was really good, that I really enjoyed. You know, I've got no problem with that. Maybe the iOS community are a bunch of tight asses. I don't know. But, you know, I've probably pissed off 99% of people <laughs> listening to this show now. But seriously, people, it's like, can we just go back to the old way of doing things? Not the let's get screwed because we charge too much for an app. Let's charge a reasonable amount. Let's make sure that de- the developers are paid what they're worth. But let's also make sure that consumers aren't getting the rough end of the stick. Yeah, no, I I, I agree for the most part with that. I do want to see people get paid for hard work. They they well deserve it, and I'm a firm believer in that being a uh, former developer, and this is going to date me. I was a COBOL developer. Yes, that's COBOL, people, C-O-B-O-L, and... Uh, Look it up if you don't know what that actually stands for, because it, like most programming names, is an acronym. Um, so I, I, I do believe in people getting paid for it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to buy the things that I buy. You know, if I wasn't getting paid for what I do, so people do need to get paid. And I, you know, I heard, um, I'm trying to remember, it might have been on Pocket Size Podcast, or somebody was talking recently about, you know, the economics of doing development and how much time you can put into one of these apps. And it is truly amazing what some people sink into these things. and They put their heart and soul into it. They deserve to get paid. I mean, I can understand, you know, where you give me point releases for free, next whole full version, I pay you for. That's similar to the way it works on the, uh, on the Mac or on the PC anyway. A lot of times they'll give you all the point releases for nothing. And then they charge you for the full version, like when you go from version 2.6 to 3.0, they -hmm. charge you. So, you know, I'm repeating myself, but I I do want to see people get paid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And uh, it's it's just got to be a different way. You know, us talking about it probably will never change it, but I'm certainly someone who isn't going to pay the developers my money now unless it's very, very clear as to what I'm getting. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to obtain it any other way. I'm just going to play games on other platforms, on, on traditional consoles, uh, because I don't want to get into this uh, in-app, in-advertising sort of war that, you know, is going on at the moment. I just don't find that enjoyable. I feel uh, pressured to actually, you know, make additional purchases. I feel it's just bad business, dirty business, and, uh, you know, the, the console guys, they're going to get my money back. I'm, I'm, when I get back from this holiday in a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to, uh, I, and I've got approval by, by the, uh, the higher power. Uh, Gretel's actually, 
Griddles actually said, yeah, you can go out and buy whatever you want. If you want to buy a Wii U, go and buy a Wii U. If you want a PlayStation 3, go and buy a PlayStation 3. She doesn't care what I buy as long as I stop whinging and bitching about this stuff. So, <laughs> I, I if, if, it'll, it, it, if it'll shut him up, it's like with kids sometimes. <laughs> Will it shut you up if I give you the lollipop? Okay. Yes. Let daddy give you the lollipop. <laughs> you just you're just a bigger version. It's all the it's all the poor Gretel's dealing with. Oh. Um, but you know, it's uh I and I, I can you look more relaxed too after you've had your your whinge and your rant there, so uh, I, I'm happier. Within myself and within my soul, I've I've got it off my chest to our three listeners. They know how I feel. <laughs> I'm content with the world, and I'm I'm waiting for the hate mail to come in. Um, but you know, look, I think besides I, the normal stuff I send you. Oh uh, well, yeah, I just delete yours, um, and and just don't worry about it. But uh, now, look, you know, some people may take offence with what I've said, and you know, my delivery as well. I am vicious, but uh, you know. Uh, it's the truth. I mean, the amount of times I hear people complaining about it, you know, I, I, I know, for instance, you know, people in my family, they'll get a free app and they'll never pay for an app purchasing because they go, well, I'm not doing that. It was free. You know, they they don't understand the business model. So I'd, I'd like to know how much developers are making out of in-app purchasing. I mean, the only time when we see in-app purchasing in the media uh, is when someone's racked up a $5,000 bill. But I'd like yeah. to know... I, you know what, I really would like to see a developer come out and be honest and say, okay, we tried version one as a purely paid app, no advertising, no in-app purchase, and we made this amount of money. Version two, we had in-app purchasing, but it was free, and we made this amount of money. Version three, we decided, hey, guess what, we're going to just put iAds in there, and we made this much money. I'd like to see a real-world comparison by one solid developer to turn around and say, we've tried it these different ways and we figured that this is the best way because this is what the market wants. I don't want analysis written up about it. I don't want hearsay and conjecture. I want hard facts as to, well, is anyone actually doing this? I mean, it, all the developers are going and, and putting in in that purchasing, but are people actually using it? And are they making more money than if they just charged an a reasonable price up front. Yeah, well, you know, the other problem, I, in theory, that sounds good, much like communism, but I think the problem <laughs> is that... Uh, sorry, I had to throw that an old joke. <laughs> no, that was um, a good one. Uh, the, you got to remember the, the life cycle and the way how iterative and how quickly these iterations occur that it would be tough to get good data to back up what you're talking about for them to do. They're just going to have to take a leap of faith and make a choice. I, I, you know what they could do? They could release a full paid version. Call it, say, Photoshop Touch. Okay, so Photoshop Touch, Adobe could release a full paid version at $10. Then they could release a free version and then have in-app purchasing to open up different things like different filters or different effects or different functionality. And then compare it that way. That would be an interesting contrast. It may not be 100% accurate, but it would certainly be interesting to see the results on that and see, you know, how many people went that way and then either just bought one extra filter pack or did they go and buy then the full game as an, uh, sorry, not the game, the, the full app as an in-app purchase to upgrade it. It would be really, really 
I would dig that data. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. But uh, I'll go back to the original thing I've said before. It depends on the code base and how they started the coding process. If they start with that in mind, because sometimes it can be diff- difficult to segment up your code base to make that kind of thing work. Uh, and I've done that a couple of times with, um, again, applications I've written here I go dating myself for mainframe computers. Yes, the great big things that sat in a room, air conditioned room, and were like a holy temple or something like that. So go ahead, send me the stuff that tells me I'm old. Um, but anyway, old, Kevin, thank you, appreciate that. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm I, insulting and, and I'm, everyone. I'm, I might as well insult you today as well. Why not? <laughs> I want you to know that you're number one in my in my world. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, I was giving him the middle finger, by the way, for those who can't see it. Um, but, you know, it can be tough. And, you know, it's – and sometimes the the pressure of which the, the developers are now under to iterate and be iterative with their games uh, and their applications too. I mean, we're talking both here. That might be tough. I mean, you, you fly into the market. You've got a great idea. You go like gangbusters and then, then to break your code or segment your code base up and – it's tough, but if you start, and I think that's what I, I, I really want to try to say is, and I said it a little while ago, when you start, start with that, with the approach that Mark's talking about in mind. Think if that's doable for you. Set your code up so that you can do those types of things. You know, if you rush to market because you're trying to beat the latest whatever game that's out there or the latest app out there that's doing it and the life expectancy of your app. And in some cases, some of these games, you know, these games come on the market, they're hot and heavy, popular, even apps, you know, six months, maybe nine months, then they fall by the wayside. It doesn't matter how many more versions they do of these games or apps, nothing catch on. And then they go by the wayside. So it's a tough balance. People need to be paid. They need to live. I, you know, try it with that in mind. But when you're pouring sixteen hundred hours of your life into an application, don't a, don't release it early and don't release crap. Yeah, that's true. Because look, so. you know, if I reference it with the writing I do, uh, I'll be anything up to a couple of weeks late reporting something on one of the sites I write for in comparison to my peers. Does that mean that I'm slow? No. It just means that I double check, triple check, and quadruple check every single thing before I am prepared to hit the publish button. So I make sure that I may not be the first out to market, and certainly I'd never be good for you know reporting news in the tech community because I don't believe in, in just pumping out and regurgitating what I've heard from someone else without validating it first. Um, so with that in mind... I'm I'm a perfectionist. Once I've published something, I'm happy to have my credibility stand on the back of that publication. And I think now what we're seeing with a lot of the apps, and and it's so easy to develop. We're getting so many crap apps. Trying to find the good ones is harder to find. It's always based on recommendations that I find the really good ones. Uh, Because oftentimes... I'll look at the new apps that have been released and it's just like, oh man, that's crap. But then I'll hear, you know, on Pocket Size Podcast or something about this cool app and it's like, wow, where the hell was that? I, I, I never saw that. You know, I didn't see that. Or this other garbage was in there, you know, and um, I, I don't know. I, I think I understand the, the point of coders putting a, a lot of hours 
but if you're putting in a lot of hours and your product is still crap, then are you really wasting your time and everyone else's? Are you actually doing anything beneficial? I mean, and I suppose the people who develop crap apps don't think they're crap apps, hence why they're on the the app store, unless they just want to make money from them and they don't care if they're crap. But I look, I look at an app like Downcast that is universally among podcasters regarded and podcast listeners regarded as the best podcasting app. It costs a bit of money. And it's like that developer needs to get get paid. And that developer puts in a lot of work and makes sure that the product is very good and updates it regularly. Other developers, yeah, not so much. It's like, I don't know. I, I understand the side fence that a lot of people put in a lot of hard work, but I think the people that are putting in the most hard work are, you know, very small, maybe 1% or 2% of the entire app developer population. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether... I, I couldn't... I don't even want to venture to guess. But, I mean, you, you can definitely tell when an app has been rushed out and it's just trying to capitalize on something. They're trying to rush it out, trying to get it there um, and take advantage of the buzz of the day or whatever you want to call it. You, you, know, you know what I've just thought of, Kevin? iOS is the new Windows. Crap in, oh, crap shit, out. No. no, seriously. The, you look at the development on some of the Windows apps and how bad developers on Windows made Windows, besides Windows being questionable anyway, but... You look at, at just the crapware that was on Windows systems and still is to this day. And the same thing's happening to iOS. I mean, at one stage, Apple was boasting about, hey, we've got this many apps. And it comes down to a simple fact of, you know what? It really doesn't matter how many you've got. It's how many are bloody good and how many are usable that matters. I don't know, but I haven't downloaded a new fart app in like two weeks. Do they still make those? I'm sure they do. Yeah, I my favorite still fart piano. By the way, if anybody's wondering, fart piano, jeez. And on that note, we shall end our uh, iOS centric episode of Geeky Shover, which is one hundred and two. Next week, I promise I won't be as angry about iOS gaming. I'll have another beef to, uh, <laughs> to bitch about instead. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I can, I'm feeling my forehead, and it is red. It is hot. My blood pressure is up, and um, look, I, I just want things to be the way they were. Maybe I'm getting old and becoming an old fart, and I just don't like change. But get I off want, my I damn want, lawn! I want the good apps <laughs> to rise to the top, and the crap to just get lost. So uh, anyway, well, the crap. Remember, I told you last week: hot on the left, cold on the right. And shit flows downhill, unless you pump it, and then you have to grind it up and force it up. But anyway, whole different story. Ke- Kevin, where, where can the listeners find your wacky humor this week? What you you think I'm funny? I'm being completely <laughs> serious. Um, you can you can find me over on Twitter.com is where I hang out most of the time. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash big underscore in underscore va. You can also find me on Google Plus at uh, plus forward slash Kevin Alder. And new and exciting this week, I am now on app.net. And you can find me on app.net, same handle, B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. So look me up over there. 
I'm really starting to like the long form conversation. Yeah, it's like having stretchy uh, pants, isn't it? You know, it's just a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, or like on Thanksgiving, the tradition here in the United States is unbutton your belt and undo your belt and undo the button. Get your hands in there and get relaxed. So, but anyway, that's. We didn't need the hands in there, Kevin. I'm an Al Bundy if there ever was one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. You, you can check there, or you can always go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder and find links to all those things there. Fantastic. And for anything relating to me, simply head across to markgreentree.com. There I have an email link and everything listed so that you can send me your hate mail and tell me what a moron I am and an idiot I am. Or, or you know what? For those people that completely agree with me, you can also send me fan mail via that site. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Mark. We've got three listeners. One of them has to be a fan. You can take the other two. They like me more than they like you. All three of them. Fine. Show off. Anyway, (laughs) thank you for listening and subscribing. Unless, of course, you're like Kevin, then go take a flying leap off the big hill. (laughs) Until next week, take care. And don't forget, between now and next week, to hug a geek. Ever think about becoming a podcaster? Thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard. Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast, and it seemed way too daunting... Drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of Tech Fan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting. And I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for primetime. time.